Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everybody. Press Gallery host Emma Graney here with another quick reminder to subscribe if you would be so kind. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and also now on Spotify. So if you subscribe, you get all the latest episodes straight to your device. If you like what you hear each week, well, twice a week, actually, give us a five-star rating. As always, any questions, comments, or concerns, reach out to me. You can email me, egraney at postmedia.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Emma L. Graney. Enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I am your host, Provincial Affairs reporter Emma Graney. This is the Alberta Election Week 2 edition. I know it is not very imaginative, but it really spells out what we're going to be talking about here today. It is Friday, March 29, 2019, and sitting around the microphone table with me today... My legislative colleague, Claire Clancy. How are you, mate? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure. <laughs> I haven't you know seen that. you in a few hours. I know. Yeah, yeah. it's been at least seven. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sarah O'Donnell, our boss. How are you, Sarah? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Excellent. Happy to be on the show yet again. It's a glorious day. <laughs> <laughs> and Keith Geron, political columnist. How are you, mate? It's before 9 a.m. Not so glorious for me, but thank you. <laughs> I'm here. It's hard. Before 9 a.m. is hard. I don't don't believe that time exists before 7 a.m. This, this I is think a valid that's opinion. Just a, yeah, I just think that's just Your a Your guys' problem is you don't have massive coffees in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Sarah just goes and grabs her <laughs> I'm just, coffee. I'm just going to hold mine with two it. hands now because so Keith's kind of eyeing it. <laughs> he will leap across the table and prize it from your grip. <laughs> so today, of course, we are going to be talking about the election. That is of surprise to nobody, I would uh, I would hazard a guess. We're going to talk about some of the bigger campaign promises so far from the major parties. Um, also, a little bit of talk about the, the minor parties, the tone of the campaign, some of the ads and the funsies, and then a brief candidate update as well. <sighs> so, <laughs> let's jump in. Do we start? All right, Clancy. Um, we, I don't know if we've talked about this in the podcast, but Clancy and I cover politics. It's what we do. If people don't know that you already. Know that already. Yeah. And we've kind of um, split coverage up between the NDP and the UCP. So that way we could keep a better track of exactly what each party is up to. You get more of a grounding of what they're doing. You can kind of dig into it more rather than, you know, just flying by the seat of your pants, which I am also happy, willing and uh, regularly do. And it's very useful for us to be seeing the leaders especially do every single speech and mm-hmm. event that they're doing. So that's why, yeah, so we're tuning into, I'm tuning into everything that Notley does and Emma's tuning into everything that Kenny does. Kenny and assorted other UCP MLAs. Yeah. Uh, or not MLAs, candidates. Mm-hmm. My mistake. Yeah. It's a force <laughs> So Clancy, I want to pick your brains here. What are some of the campaign promises that have stood out to you so far uh, made by Rachel Notley, the leader of the NDP. Yeah. So last week, I think we talked about some of the um, she had an energy diversification policy about petrochemical upgrading um, and a couple of other of other announcements. But this week, we've seen kind of continued big announcements, probably the um, the most 
important one to talk about, I would say, is the $25 a day child care plan. That was a flagship uh platform point that they had in 2015 that they were planning to roll out. And they did institute a pilot project for that, um, that, they, that that they then expanded on in 2017. But on Monday, Rachel Notley said that $25 a day daycare under a reelected NDP government would be extended to all child care spaces in the province. And that's a that's a pretty big promise. It's also the equivalent of $1.5 billion over six years. So that's quite a big investment for the NDP to be promising. We also had um, an announcement yesterday from Rachel Notley where she was in Fort McMurray, and she promised a $1.35 billion plan to expand the high load corridor. Basically, the high load corridor is to allow heavy industrial vehicles to travel around the province. Um, so it is something to help industry. But there was actually a study done and the results by the provincial government and the results were released in January, where basically there were recommendations to invest about $1.6 billion into the high load corridor. So this kind of is a NDP promise following up on that. Um, she also, obviously speaking in Fort McMurray, the wildfires of 2016 are still top of mind for a lot of residents there. And she promised that the NDP would commit to building a second exit out of the city uh, because people were trapped on Highway 63 when they were trying to um, escape the fires. So that was also a really important promise, I think, that they rolled out. And the other promise she made related to healthcare was $90 million per year to help reduce surgical wait times and increase emergency care. Um, so, yeah, I guess to sum up, in the last couple of weeks from the NDP, <laughs> we've seen a lot of investments, some of them billion-dollar dollar promises. And, um, yeah, and I think we're slowly seeing them roll out their platform points. We're seeing a focus on families, as Rachel Notley suggested, with the child care, health care. Um, you know, she mentioned on Sunday in a rally speech that they would have have an announcement related to seniors. So I expect something about that perhaps even today. And um, yeah, and so we'll see what happens. Um, Sarah, has anything that the NDP rolled out surprised you or is this the direction that you thought they'd be going? This was, I think, the way they indicated they were going to go from the front. So it hasn't hasn't been a big surprise to me. Actually, some of the, the infrastructure promise up in Fort McMurray it wasn't a complete, we will build this highway in the next four years, but obviously I'm always very interested in things that relate to Fort McMurray and a pitch for a second route out of town has been kind of on the books or bubbling in the background for a very long time. That is not a low cost proposition. I mean, the high, you know, the cost for the high load corridor, that's one3 more than a billion dollars <laughs> on its, its own. It's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, but it is not there was no price tag attached to the second highway. Um, and that is, building up there is not a cheap proposition. I, as I recall, it's something that would require um, bridges. It would require, and build, we know from just twinning Highway 63 up north, which the province did under the Progressive Conservative government, that um, that was an incredibly time-consuming and expensive proposition. Now, they're not saying that they're going to build a full like highway miles for miles and miles and miles, but they do need at least to get to a certain distance um, because for the first 20 kilometers south or so out of town, there's only the one way. And definitely that was a promise. You're right, with no price tag attached. I think the only investment the provincial government has made into that idea was um, a few months back they made – or. In 2016, they invested $5 million into a pre-design phase for a potential second exit. So I think it would be interesting to see exactly how much that would cost. 
I also think the childcare policy. I, I was talking. I was talking about somebody you know from a very particular geographic location. I think the childcare policy is interesting. I heard people who don't normally talk about politics in in my circles of people um, talking about that, including you know my husband who was like, "Hey, what would that have done for us?" You know, back when we were you know in our deepest uh, deepest woes of childcare costs back in the day, and we were kind of he was like, "Well, that's interesting," and he's like, "We were doing the math," so it certainly did get people's attention. Yeah, I think with the NDP, though, the, the thing that surprised me is just the amount of spending they are promising here. This, these mm-hmm. are big numbers, and it comes across a little tone deaf at a time when they're already projecting a $95 billion debt uh, by 2023, uh, and, and already running deficits of about $7 billion. We're supposed to see those go down, but I'd like to see the, the numbers now with all these new promises in. So we're talking a billion and a half dollars for childcare. We're talking, uh, what, what was the figure again? Another billion 1. or so. 1.35 billion for the high load corridor and the, the second exit out of Fort McMurray. We're talking 90 million for uh, wait times. Uh, there, the, the announcement today on, on seniors drugs, that's uh, going to be expensive as well. And they're not done. Uh, they've also talked prior to the election about possibly getting work started on the Red Deer Hospital. That could be up to 750 million. This is really, really adding up, not to mention all those uh, loan guarantees and other assistance for more uh, upgrading and and uh, and petrochemicals. So, I I just think this is a this is a weak point for the NDP. I, I think that the spending is really really high. I'm surprised that they may that they went this way. I thought maybe they would try to show a little more restraint given the, given the times we're in. Let's switch over to the UCP. They've had a absolute buttload of promises. Um, Sarah, can I say that? I did. I I did just gasp internally, but that's okay. I will. We'll <laughs> I've had there. a ton of promises, tons and tons and tons. <laughs> um, basically, we've got so many different things. So we had the education platform, which was massive. This was one that was kind of being awaited to see what um, a UCP government would potentially do with education, because of course, uh, gay straight alliances have been quite the flashpoint when it comes to education around Alberta. Now, Jason Jason Kenney says that they will replace the School Act with the Education Act. So by proxy, rolling back Bill 24 on protections for uh, kids in GSAs, which means um, there's no longer there would no longer be a requirement that teachers do not tell parents if their kids join one. They would also lift the cap on charter schools, so they'd allow more charter schools, they say. Also, they're very much pumping for more standardized testing, which is interesting to me as well. They have stepped back from uh, a policy that came up at the um, policy convention for the UCP about the Alberta Teachers Association. There was a thought to perhaps splitting that that organization up when it comes to kind of teacher assessments, if they do something wrong, and then the union side of it. Uh, they're not going to do that now. Jason Kenney says he's going to sit down and have a big old chat with teachers in the ATA, et cetera, if he doesn't indeed form government in, uh, I don't know, a month or something. <laughs> so that was kind of an interesting one as well. There was a lot in that education platform. And I'm going to, I'm just going to throw in here as well, the UCP platform events are mental. Like they just go point after point after point. Jason Kenny will basically outline anywhere from 10 to 16 to 18 points within the one platform. So I'm sitting here trying to tweet it, research it, <laughs> understand it, think about it, 
ask questions about it and listen to what he's saying as it's all happening. Like it says a lot in their platform. Um, Rural crime was another really big one here from the UCP. Not unexpected because last year the UCP caucus paid for a rural crime strategy report and said that that would form the blueprint for their policy. To an extent it does, but there's also some stuff in that report and Kenny said that they're going to implement the strategy in that report. And there is some interesting stuff in specific to that report that talks about, you know, getting front and back license plates for Alberta, uh, cutting benefits to government benefits to criminals until they pay their court fines, also making police forces um, submit quarterly reports on every single call that comes in and what they did about it. So that's an awful lot of paperwork. Uh, UCP also promised 20 million bucks to alert, which is the kind of combined police force thing. Um, and also they would require Crown, cross- require Crown prosecutors, try saying that 10 times fast, to take into account the rural nature of a crime before they press self-defense charges. So, for example, his, and this was in, in that rural crime strategy report as well, that if you're a farmer and someone rocks up or, you know, a couple of people rock up to your farm and you know that you're an hour away from, you know, police rocking up to your farm and you think they might be on drugs and you say, oi, bugger off, and they don't bugger off, and you use reasonable self-defense, I'm putting that in air quotes because the definition of that is so wishy-washy, and you shoot them, then the prosecutor should take into account that you thought that they were high and the police would take a while and that's why you shot them. So that's another part of their rural crime strategy. Also, Kenny, as he has done a number of times now with platform announcements, was talking to pushing the federal government to do things. He does this a lot. I don't think I've seen a single platform where he hasn't said, we would demand the feds do this, 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 and this. Another one in that when it comes to crime was pressing for mandatory minimum sentences for drug traffickers, uh, which was, of course, shot down as unconstitutional not that long ago, actually, by the Supreme Court. Um, Also, yesterday we had healthcare. Oh my God, I gotta stop talking. Healthcare. <laughs> so, healthcare is gonna be uh, basically based on a Saskatchewan model. They're gonna bring in specific to elective surgeries. So, basically, it's gonna be contracted out to some private day surgeries, I guess you'd call them. Uh, it's been quite a successful system in Saskatchewan. It isn't without uh, its faults for sure, but um, a report done, well, for the Fraser Institute, but by a former NDP uh, finance minister in Saskatchewan said, you know what, it's actually not doing a terrible job there, but the problem is it doesn't do a lot to, dr- to address the root causes of why there are such huge wait lists for surgeries. And Kenny says that within four years of a United Conservative government, nobody will wait more than four months for a surgery. That was a pretty bold proclamation that he made yesterday, but there you have it. That's what he says. Um, I asked whether or not they're going to bring in the Saskatchewan system of MRIs, whereby you go and pay for a private MRI and then the same and then the same clinic has to take someone off the public wait list. And he went, oh, I hadn't heard of that. I'll take a look into that. But no, that's not part of our platform right now. <laughs> and I thought, oh, no, I think I've been writing policy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Keith, what do you think about the healthcare 
policy. You're you're our former healthcare reporter, so I, I am. Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> or was. Uh, yeah, actually, I, I was surprised. Health policy has not been a particularly strong strong point for the UCP or or the Wild Rose Party uh, in the past. So this was, uh, I, I thought, a fairly well thought out, fairly well researched plan. Wait times are an issue here in Alberta for for certain kinds of uh, certain kinds of illnesses and certain kinds of conditions, uh, orth- orthopedic surgeries, uh, cataracts, and so on. So this might not be a bad way to approach it. The NDP's way is to invest a bunch of money into it. I think another ninety million to do that. Jason Kenney says no, we can do that for lower cost if we essentially get these private clinics to bid and 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 perhaps uh you know competition will will lower the prices. So it's an interesting idea. It has been tried in Saskatchewan, has worked there. I'm not sure it's going to have the same success in Alberta. There are there are, it's a different market here. Uh, we pay our physicians more. So that will have to be taken into account. But he says, uh, when you question him on this, Emma, he basically said, let's give it a try. As if, uh, I think that's a direct quote. Yeah. Let's, let's give it a go. Let's give it a go. Let's give it a go. Right. So it'll be interesting to see. It'll take a while to ramp up. I'm not sure that there is the surgical capacity uh, in private clinics right now. So there will there will be uh, some time required to set that up. The other thing I liked about the policy is there was very targeted investments for mental health and addictions. And it's was, clear yep. Jason Kenney is thinking about this. He sees this as a crisis. Uh, he's still a little bit behind the times, at least in my view, on the supervised consumption sites. He's had some pretty strong language on those in the past, uh, basically saying that they're not compassionate to allow people to just inject poison into their bodies. Uh, so I think he's a little off there. He didn't come out and say, let's shut them down or let's refuse to, to open new supervised consumption services. But he is going to make them jump through some hoops. He, he wants to put them through a review. He wants to look at the socioeconomic impacts. Frankly, a lot of that work has already been done. Uh, and so it's, it's putting a lot more red tape in front of these facilities. Um, but I guess if you're an organizer of one of these facilities and we're fearing what he might do, this does stop short of uh, of completely wiping them off the map, which was a fear. I also wanted to add, I forgot one of the big points from the NDP, and I think we are going to see a huge debate over education, obviously. Oh, Read yeah. Janet French's reporting about all of that because it's fantastic. But the NDP prom- made another billion-dollar promise to um, invest in 70 new schools. They also promised uh, fully funded enrollment. Um, it's not a surprise. I think that, that's the po- that those are the policies they're going with. But I think it's worth uh, talking about the fact that this week we saw the two major parties roll out their education platforms. And um, we also saw rallies in Calgary and Edmonton mm-hmm. about the GSA issue because that, again, is something that's uh, being kind of hammered down on with the UCP decision to go back to the School Act. So I think education will really be one of those big, uh, big debated uh, campaign points along with pipelines. Yeah, I didn't expect education when we went into this campaign. I really didn't think it would be a major issue in the campaign. I thought it was going to be economy. I knew that both sides were going to roll out different healthcare strategies because, well, it's Alberta. It's an election campaign. We always <laughs> talk about healthcare. But I thought that education would be relatively quiet except for the issues about student growth and school construction. So the NDP have taken the the tack that I expected. They're talking about the need to deal with the growing young population because that is the reality in Alberta that it um, we have more kids than we did before and there are crowded classrooms. Uh, this big cities, Edmonton and Calgary are especially, have continued to grow despite the, the downturn and uh, you have to have somewhere to put those kids. So that is, it, as Keith was pointing out, 
building schools is expensive. Um, funding, which is in Alberta typically tied to per capita per student. And so that's why in, in previous years, sometimes under other governments, they would not fund, they would basically not increase the number. They would be like, okay, well, yeah, you have more students, but you're still going to have to deal with the same budget. So it was essentially a cut if you're dealing with more people, um, but with the same budget, you're, you're cutting it. But I didn't expect the UCP to go down the road they did with education in terms of legislation. And I, I think that that was a, a huge surprise because I don't know if they wanted to open the can of worms or if they didn't understand the can of worms in which they were opening when they talked about dealing with education legislation, which is something that I think I've said to you guys over the past week. I've seen more tears and protests over bills and things related to education and and in more recent years, specifically the GSA issue, than almost anything else I can think of in my time covering Alberta politics. So it was it was a bit I, I just was like, oh, they've they've gone there. And <laughs> but and it is so complicated. That's the other thing. I mean Janet French has unexpectedly spent the past four days just trying to dig into what the UCP education platform would mean because it's not simple to understand when you talk about, oh, we're just going to replace the school act with the education act that was, you know, previously approved but not proclaimed. Well, that's fine, but it has so many implications. Of course, the stuff about the GSAs, but also, you know, how long do we fund people to complete their high school for? The, the education act went to 21. It changed starting dates for young children. It, it just, I, that's just the beginning. I mean, I was like a hundred points. And then he brought in other pieces of previously uh, worked on reporting or, or, you know, investigations and things done by the previous progressive conservative government that he also talked about bringing back. So it was it's incredibly dense. And uh, yeah, it was a huge surprise to me that they went there. Can I just say, too, on the uh, curriculum thing, and this plays into some minor party promises, but one of the things that really really made me giggle this week was the Freedom Conservative Party. They came out. So you've got this whole idea about the curriculum review. It's caused obviously a bit of a problem. Uh, the UCP at first pledged to scrap it, put it through the shredder or parts of it if they thought it was too ideological. ideological. Yeah. So, free, so Freedom Conservative leader Derek Filderbrand got up this week and he went, no, no, no. Yeah, we're going to get rid of the NDP. We're going to get rid of the NDP curriculum. But we're not going to replace it with an FCP curriculum. No, no, no. We're going to scrap the Alberta curriculum altogether and teachers can just teach whatever as long as they get some good learning outcomes. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> Libertarianism. Like, Libertarians <laughs> really just taking it next level. Yeah. I should add, I did expect a debate about curriculum, but yeah. curriculum is a very different uh, topic and process. So the kind of, you know, meat and potatoes of, you know, the outcomes that uh, what students should learn, then the whole issue of all the various many things covered by legislation. Well, it's interesting too, and I, I did ask Jason Kenny this because it does seem that in one sense he's saying that we need to rely on teachers to make the best decisions for their students when it comes to informing teach uh, sorry, informing parents about whether or not their kid is in a great gay straight alliance or any other kind of, you know, program after school. However, he's also saying out of the other side of his mouth, that we can't trust teachers to actually assess kids properly and know what's best for them in terms of how to test them, what to test them on. So we need to bring back more standardized testing. And it's kind of interesting to me. And I said, how do you trust teachers on one hand and not, treat, not trust them on the other? And he said, well, no, they're different because we're talking about legislation versus policy. 
And I think it's worth pointing out, too, that um, the Alberta Party also rolled out an education plan. Um, they yep. said they're going to uh, fund enrollment growth as well, similarly similarly to the NDP. Uh, but Stephen Mandel also promised funding for more inclusive education. I think it was $690 million a year um, to bump funding to school boards to help students with disabilities. So that, that was an interesting platform point. And I do want to talk about how the Alberta Party is really coming up with these very kind of fun, quirky ideas sometimes. Um, So it's worth noting, like, for example, making Alberta um, somewhere for automated vehicles ready on the QE2 by adding lanes. I thought that was such an interesting one this week. Special automated vehicle lane. Yeah. Between Edmonton and Calgary. Because yeah. self-driving yeah, cars for, are coming. Yeah. For all the <laughs> ugliness of this campaign, and it, it truly in the first couple of weeks has been an ugly, ugly election. Um, this There have been these nuggets of interesting policy. And, you know, as I recall from the previous campaign when the NDP pledged their $25 a day daycare platform, which they did not fully implement in the first term. I think it was like, oh, that's that's crazy talk, right? In Alberta, we're not going to go there. And then they got elected and suddenly they Next were talking you know, about piloting $25 a day daycare. So y- y- you do never know. So I am happy to see these innovative posts. And self-driving cars is not that crazy. I have discussed this <laughs> with you guys. It's not... Um, no, but you just don't expect it as an election. No, that's what we mean. It's I like guess. you don't expect it to come up during an election. It's campaign. not crazy, and I can't believe I'm going to live my life seeing the self-driving cars become a thing. I think it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's just I mean, an as, interesting. I think, as yeah. I said to you guys, if we have places like you know Suncor up in Fort McMurray that are moving their you sure. know their heavy hauler load to autonomous vehicles, <laughs> and you know we're losing jobs as a result of that. But if that's happening up there, well, then it's probably not that far away on Alberta highways. Also worth noting here that the Liberal Party has brought in some taxation promises. Mm -hmm. They say they're going to get rid of personal income tax for anyone who's earning under like 57 grand and change or 114 and something for couples, uh, $1,000 a year, I mean, not $114. Um, (laughs) And they would also bring in an HST Ooh, sales tax. I, yeah, sales I know, tax. Yeah, HST, people don't know what that is here. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but that's what they said, HST. And I'm like, yeah. harmonized it, it sales tax, right? like Yeah, it's a harmonized sales tax. So the idea is there wouldn't actually be a provincial sales tax per se. You'd just get the federal government to charge more GST in Alberta. That's and then give Alberta well. back whatever whatever the difference <laughs> is. So. Yeah, that, that's how that God works. Um, I don't know if they still would have to go through a referendum, right? Because it's the Taxpayer oh, Protection course, Act yeah. here in Alberta, right? Prevents a sales tax without a referendum. So um, you can just change that legislation, though. You could. You, you change could. the legislation. That's, you know, if you have a majority government, you don't have to have a referendum if you decide you want to change the legislation. I don't know that broad, they're going to have a majority but... government, the Liberals. I think <laughs> probably, probably not. I don't not know at if this you point. can make that kind of prediction. <laughs> <yet>. <laughs> You're right. Anything but, could happen. But it is interesting to see I someone didn't mean propose to make it. it sound like right? I was predicting that. But I yeah. think I was going to say too. I think it's interesting to see that every other party, other than the NDP, also wants to cut the corporate uh, tax. So yes, um, yeah. So liberals, I think, is twelve to ten, same as Alberta Party. The UCP wants to cut it to eight percent over four years, um, and obviously the NDP standing strong at twelve percent. And 
just uh, like to point out here that Saskatchewan did that and uh, then they had to hike it again in order yeah. to balance the budget. Yeah. So <laughs> there you have it. Yeah. I do like some of the Alberta party ideas that you mentioned, though. The other one that I, I love personally, who's someone who's sick of having a, a paper healthcare card uh, that yes. looks like it's from 1967, that to finally thing. get digital IDs in Alberta. Yes. This has been going on forever. It's ridiculous we don't have them. It's and, a joke. People, whenever people see my Alberta healthcare card outside of this province, <laughs> it looks like a joke. Do you yeah. not all just put them, though, in the little plastic pouches? No, don't no, you guys all no. do Mine is tattered just to and keep ripped. them protected? <laughs> No, mine, no, no. no. Mine no? Sometimes I carry mine in a pocket. Well, I guess I know what I'm giving out for Christmas next. I, I used to here. laminate them, but I can't find a lamination machine anymore. No one has them. <gasps> I have a laminator. Really? You have a laminator. Can we do wow. laminate our healthcare cards at your place? <laughs> yeah, laminate I, I can bring it in. Although, you know what? I'm, I think you might not supposed to I think laminate it invalidates them, them yeah, if you so, laminate them. That's why I would just yeah. get you a little pocket protector. We're not going to have a lamination party government, I swear to God. Um. I did want to, Sarah, I wanted to hone in on something you said about the first couple of weeks of the campaign have been ugly, ugly, ugly. What do we think of the tone so far? Yeah, this has been nuts. I mean, this has been crazy. I mean, the NDP are, are in my mind anyway, uh, spending like there's no tomorrow. Um, we have a, a, a government or sorry, a government in waiting in the UCP that is under some kind of RCMP investigation and getting scandals almost daily about some of its candidates, about new revelations dating to a campaign that happened 18 months ago. It's, it's nuts. Uh, so that's crazy. Uh, and yet the poll seem to suggest they're they're still well ahead. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we haven't seen any polls recently uh, that have taken place uh, after some of these revelations have come out and whether that's hurt them. I think those polls are going to be very, very telling uh, to see if the NDP has made any ground uh, based on these scandals. But then there's a lot of talk uh, specifically from Jason Kenney, mostly from Jason Kenney, uh, kind of a, a divisive tone, a us versus them kind of thing, you know, Alberta versus Canada. Um, Mandel's spoken to that a little bit and Rachel Notley's spoken to that a little bit, but the, it is a very, very divisive, ugly Albertan versus Albertan, Alberta versus Canada kind of campaign. Alberta versus Toronto, Alber City Council, exactly. if you're Jason Kenney anyway. And I, Sarah and Keith, you've both covered Alberta provincial elections before this one. Um, well, like, I'm curious to know what was it this crazy in like 2015 and 2012? Where is this? Was this as hot? Like, the tone is quite hostile sometimes between the parties. There, I I would say it's not that it wasn't hostile before. I think that it, there, there certainly were. I mean, we saw the Progressive Conservatives and the Wild Rose Party were were vehement foes, and certainly there was a, a lot of mudslinging back and forth. And like in this campaign, there were it came to light that in the case of the Wild Rose Party, there were candidates who had um, who said uh, very awful things about. Uh, Different the lake of fire comments I'm thinking of specifically uh, about the LGBT community and and how uh, how that wild rose candidate from the Edmonton area in that case uh, was was saying that you know the the writings is his is his comments came to light about uh, members of the LGBT community burning in a lake of fire sort of thing and Keith was on the ground for that campaign and remember that would remember that more detail. Um, and so we have uh, there are echoes of that, shades of that in 
the UCP dealing with uh, in the last couple of weeks their candidates in Calgary and and the things that they have said um, about uh, various communities. Um, we had the, the Calgary candidate uh, Eva Kiriakos who uh, resigned after some of her memes that she had made or you know things she had either commented on or reshared came to light about um, you know the rape refugee crisis in Germany and comments about how she feels about uh, you know the unisex washrooms or you know single bathrooms that everyone's using her concern about you know men on work going in bathrooms with her her daughter talking specifically about that she also said the destitute should keep their knees together yeah like so interesting sorry I just want to pick up on this because that was a weird weird thing because she resigned because she said she was being bullied and very strange it was so strange because you not being bullied and the target of a smear campaign, if that stuff you said and people are on a public platform and then people are going to make it public, even if you said it under like a, I think her Facebook profile, which didn't have her name on it, but it was, but it was her and it was proven to be her. So she didn't, and she didn't, she didn't apologize. She did not apologize. She didn't double down. And you're right. It wasn't, is it as the, you know, the question we have amongst ourselves is, you know, is it a smear campaign if it's actually just revealing things that you've said in the past. No. And, uh, you know, that those were her words. And you know, there was questions about why those were her words and her comments. Um, but so in terms of is it uglier than before? I think it's just it's more of it. It's it's over and over and over again, you know, in, in the in the ca- in the campaign I was referring to between Redford and Danielle Smith. Well, you know, there was like, you know, a handful of these things, but I think we're having to talk about this stuff almost every day. We're talking about the latest revelation and it's just it just feels it's endless. And that's what's it's different more, to me. It's more, I mean, in my mind, what's most concerning about the Eva Kiriokas comments, the Kaylin Ford comments, for example, is Jason Kenney and the party's reaction to it, right? Jason Kenney did not condemn those remarks. He basically- He did condemn, um, no, Kayla, he did condemn Kaylin, Kaylin Ford's. Kaylin Ford's, yeah. okay. So, uh, he, but in Eva Kiriakos's case, he did not condemn it. He basically said- you know, we accept her resignation. Uh, it's too bad. He even sort of defended her and said, you know, she comes from a part of the world where, you know, genocide is a real thing. And so we have to take that into account in her comments, which came across as almost sort of apologetic for her. It, it, it was a weird response, right? Considering as well how hard he came out against Kaylin Ford's comments and said, I completely condemn what she said. Right. In the case of Eva Caracas, it didn't happen at all. He went, she did the courageous thing by resigning. Right. It was, it was, it was <laughs> it odd. Was and this does go back to 2012 a little bit. So when these candidates did start coming out with some comments uh, in 2012, the Wild Rose Party had a choice to make, and they chose not to condemn those candidates, to basically say it was freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Uh, we're not going to dismiss those candidates. And the party looked really bad because of it. It was so- a major turning point in the campaign. And ultimately, I think that was one of the things that when they looked back, they're like, oh, that was the, a wrong strategy. That's right. So I, I do wonder if Jason Kenney is going down the same road here, uh, that it might actually get him in trouble. A lot of parties are going to wind up having a problem candidate or two. The NDP so far, so far, not so many, but it's more the party's reaction to it, the leader's reaction to it. Do you do you react immediately and get rid of those, that candidate? Do you condemn their remarks? Or do you sit tight and say, um, you know what, this isn't so bad. Look away. Here's something else to focus on. So that could be a problem. The other thing that's different about this is also the leader himself is under 
some kind of scandal. Whether he's actually under RCMP investigation, we don't know, but that's still unfolding, right? The questions are, what is the RCMP investigating? Are they questioning Kenny or will they question Kenny at some point? Where is this going to lead? That didn't happen in 2012. And so that's a narrative that the NDP is really, really focused on, probably to an extreme degree. So some of the things, <laughs> some of the things they're trying to point out and connect the dots aren't exactly working. So it's up to the media to, I think we're having to work overtime. You, you and uh, uh, Claire and Emma here are really having to uh, decide what's relevant and what isn't. And that's a daily exercise. It's tough. People yeah. have a lot more social. I, I think one of the things is, I mean, in previous campaigns, yes, social media existed; it was there. But you know, every every election campaign we go further, people have longer and longer track records online, right? So there are even more, you know, more of your comments that if you've been active on social media, um, can can resurface. So there, there's there's that as well. Well, if you never said anything, you know, bigoted, it's not going to be a problem, is it? If you run for office. Um, let's just briefly, we don't have much time here. Uh, we probably have gone too long, but that's okay because it's an election. Uh, let's go to good stuff from the gallery in which we recommend stuff that we have seen, heard, listened to, watched, read lately that we think you might also enjoy. Darling listeners, dear listeners, wonderful listeners, Claire Clancy, kick us off, mate. Sure. Well, I would just say, I think lately I've been tuning out with terrible reality television. Who hasn't? Right. Mm. But um, but I'm going to actually recommend a really fantastic podcast that I listened to on the way today to work. Um, and it's I've probably recommended it before, but it's the new season of Invisibilia. And they just released kind of the first few episodes. And it's really fascinating. It's these two female journalists who are really amazing, um, digging into kind of these um, issues that are kind of not visible. That's kind of the whole shtick of the podcast. But uh, so one episode that I really liked in the first season is about chronic pain and how people deal with that and just some really innovative programs um, for kids dealing with chronic pain. And it's uh, like I learned a lot listening to it. So yeah, I want to recommend that. Interesting. Sarah, what do you have for us, mate? Um, I want to recommend another podcast. This one is about politics, though, but it's not about local politics. But, you know, we were just talking about how ugly this election is in this campaign? <laughs> well, let me introduce you to Danny Ray Johnson, who uh, ran for office in the state of Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky uh, Public Radio did pulled together an amazing five-episode podcast called um, The Pope's Long Con, because this character, this fellow, um, was known as the Pope. He's an evangelical preacher, but the way they describe him is You'd think he was the Forrest Gump of, uh, of 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 Kentucky politics because if there was a major event that happened in the U.S., he would somehow place himself in it, right? He or he would claim that he was there: the Los Angeles riots, nine eleven, wow, that's chaplain so crazy. to uh, you know the White House, and he in any meanwhile running this. Uh, what is this, you know, a biker church where they would have a gun choir. There's video of them singing hymns, holding their guns. So quite I've seen the, that. Quite, wow. the, quite the character. Um, and uh, what they've done, though, is they uh, dug into what is essentially a web of lies and deception um, and uh, got to how he was elected. But I mean, he was the Republican candidate in this uh, particular state race and looks into you know how that happened, uh, the reaction to it, 
and uh, a bit of a follow up. So it's it's quite um, manageable. It's actually the episode. There's only like five or six episodes. They're no more than 20 minutes. So they don't go on nearly as long as we always do. So you can listen to it in like, you know, while you're cleaning your kitchen, you could go from beginning to end if your kitchen is as messy as mine happens to be on some weekends. Nice one. I'm going to recommend a documentary that I watched on Netflix as I was trying to kind of, you know, turn my brain off a little bit. But then it ended up just making me more interested. It's called Icarus. I may be late to the party here. It's been there for a little while. It is amazing. So the documentary maker, basically, he started out, he's a amateur cyclist and he wanted to prove that um, he could cheat the drug testing system. So he went on this regime of taking a whole bunch of steroids. But then it just goes completely out of control. This Russian doctor gets involved, this guy who was with the Russian athletes in charge of all of the doping over there. And then, oh my, it's it's crazy. It is. It went completely not where I thought it was going to go. I don't think it went where the documentary maker thought it was going to go. It's on Netflix called Icarus. Fantastic watch. Keith, take us home. Yeah, I'm going to recommend a piece by Jen Gerson that uh, ran in uh, on CBC. Uh, it's called Governing This Province Should Not Be an Honor. Nope, let me back that up. Governing This Province Should Be an Honor. <laughs> <laughs> Governing This Province Should Be an Honor, Not an Inheritance. Sorry, Jen, screwed that one up for you. Uh, uh, for those who may know Jen's writing, she tends to lean a little bit conservative. Uh, but this is a very interesting, I thought, very personal look at some of her angst going into this election and and her angst in particular in supporting the conservatives this time. And this whole idea that the NDP was uh, an accidental government or an accidental winner of the last election. Uh, she takes some issue with that. Quite an interesting read. Fantastic. Guys, thank you so much for joining me, Claire Clancy, Sarah O'Donnell, Keith Drine. My name is Emma Graney. We'll be back again at this time next week with more Press Gallery. <laughs>